This podcast is for mature audiences 18 and over and for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your healthcare provider before pursuing any of our topics discussed. You're listening to Eat, Play, Sex with Dr. Cat, the place to get play, sex, and nutrition talk straight to your ears. Hey lovers, and welcome to another episode of Eat, Play, Sex. I'm your playful, delicious sex expert on a mission, Dr. Cat. <laughs> And I have with me the badass boss queen, witch goddess of sexuality and divine play, Alexandra Roxo, to talk to us about how to fuck like a goddess and heal the relationship that you have with your sexuality so that you can make love to the world. <laughs> Doesn't that sound so good? <laughs> I want to make love to the world. <laughs> But before we get to Alexandra, I want to thank all of you kittens for tuning in. I want to thank you for your reviews that help me gain points in the podcast stratosphere. I want to thank you for letting me know how this info has really rocked your world. It gets me so excited when you slide into my DMs and tell me about these epic experiences that you have with your lover or with yourself or with your body. It's literally my pleasure. Because my goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex better. And if you haven't already, please head to eatplaysex.com where you can subscribe to the show, where you can join any of my online programs. You can talk with me. You can get my free guides that help you to connect more with your sex, love, and your vitality. That's all I want for you. I want so much more for you too, but that, that's where we can start. <laughs> so now to our incredible guest that I'm stoked to have on the show, my absolute amazing, incredible, inspiring sister and friend, Alexandra Roxo. Hey, babe. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it's, it's, so exciting to have you. It's been a hot second since I've seen your gorgeous face. And we were just talking about that a moment ago. It's um, you have been in a creative vortex creating this birthing. You've been in a birthing process. I know. For a I while. know. And I saw you on the dance floor a few months ago and I, I was just like, oh, I haven't really been in my most social phase of being the last two years because I've been writing my book. And with that has been like working through a lot of stuff. Um, so it's funny because a part of me has wanted to be like, wait, but I'm like in LA and I'm meeting new people and I'm getting to know people and I want to be outward and extroverted and then another part of me is just like no you have to be with my your book process and I had some friends that before I started writing my book they were like just so you know these next few years your life is going to drastically change as you do this and I was like no 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 I don't believe you. I can still have my clients, my business, my social life, like my love life. Like I'll be good. Like I can handle all of it. You know, I can mm -hmm. do everything. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh no, they're right. Um, and the thing is, is like some of my friends have taken off like six months from their regular work to write, but mm -hmm. I didn't want to stop 
seeing my clients and um, doing the other work that I do, like holding space for women. Mm -hmm. So I feel like the thing that I sacrificed the most, which was natural, was just the social life and the love life kind of taking the back burner mm -hmm. while my book and my, and my business were still generating. So, um, I'm really, really, really excited for the actual birth. I feel like the head is poking out of my, you know, birth canal. And I'm just like, and it was supposed to be in May. And I was like cresting, you know, like ready mm -hmm. to push. And then it was like, oh, slash, we're in a global pandemic and we can't print books. So now it's July. So it's like, I've been edging. Now I'm edging till July 21st, which thank God is we're getting closer yeah. because it's that feeling like, you know, it's just like, it's like ready to come out. I want to orgasm. Yeah, like exactly. give me that orgasmic birth. Yeah. And it's like, it's not the most fun feeling right before. It's a moment of, it's, it's a moment of kind of tension, right? Like if you're edging, yeah. you're like, you know, it's like such a high frequency. It's not a relaxed state, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. At least and, for, for me right now. Yeah. And when she's talking about edging, she's referring to the sexual practice of bringing yourself close to that edge of orgasm and holding it there and not giving into the actual orgasm, but it builds up the energy behind it so that you can have more of a powerful orgasmic experience. So I'm hoping that's what's going to happen with my book. So my book was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to come on May 19th. And then it was yeah. like, no, we're going to come on uh, July 21st. And, um, and so, yeah, maybe it's going to be a more powerful illusion, <laughs> if you will. Um, yeah. And I think what you're, what you're speaking to, and this is something that I had texted you before, because you expressed to me, you know, I would love to see you, but, and right now I'm just holding space for writing this book. And I was like, go get it girl. Yes. And that, I believe that that is the ingredients for the modern day woman who wants everything is this acknowledgement of allowing things to ebb and flow that mm. the idea of getting everything that we want isn't to get it all at the same time. I know. It's so weird. Yeah. So you're letting yourself permission to focus on this while other things ebb and, and then shifting yeah. back to find that balance, which I think is really inspiring. Thank you. And I feel like there's been this kind of misbelief, like we should be able to have it all at once. And for me, there's been like shame or pain around like, why, why don't I have the perfect relationship right now? And then I'm like looking at my friends who are and really beautiful relationships are marriages. And I'm like, they're not also writing a book right now. And they're not also, you know, handling a big online community or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I want it all, you know, so <laughs> right um, now there's, there's been an element of surrender and patience, which is definitely something I talk about in my book, like the practice of surrender being a very, very feminine, in my opinion, practice where, again, we have to surrender to when the birth wants to take place or when the the blood wants to come if we're in a bleeding body or if we're in a pregnant body. Like there's something that's outside of our control. And I think that a lot of us have, especially growing up in America or the Western world, we're used to being able to exercise our will in order to get what we want. And there's some entitlement there and there's some beauty there and there's some um, sometimes not listening there because 
our mind decides what it wants, which sometimes comes from our conditioning or past traumas or our desire to prove ourselves or whatever. And then our will is so strong, we could probably get that thing. We can probably make it happen. Mm-hmm. But what I've been really learning in the last few years is like not to make it happen, but to allow it to happen, to allow something to happen. And, um, you know, I've really seen that be the most difficult in my love life because it's like I could make it happen with someone or whatever, but I'm allowing something to happen to me, mm-hmm. which is like a total, um, it's outside my control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas like well, with business, I've kind of made it happen sometimes. Like when I started transitioning to seeing clients from being a filmmaker and becoming a coach and a mentor to women specifically, I actually didn't quote unquote, try to make it happen. I was so soft and relaxed around my desire. So like I held this desire to create a business around helping other women to get in their bodies and share their voices and find a relationship to their spiritual path that was feminine. And I just, I didn't clench around that desire. I didn't push. Mm -hmm. I just softened. And, and, you know, over the last four years, it's just, it's just calm. It's just, it's like sprung up, um, which has been such a fascinating thing. Before that, I was pushing so hard to get like a TV show made and I was pushing, 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 pushing. And it was just like, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and even the, the shows that you did do, you did one on Vice called um, The Every Woman. Yeah. Every woman, yeah, which when I saw that, maybe I should back up and explain how I discovered you. Yes, <laughs> it's please. It's pretty juicy. Um, but that that Vice show, which I think is is still up, you can catch it on YouTube, you can catch yeah. it in Vice, um, but it, it was you went in and expressed these stories and interviewed women of these different roles that they take in society. And I think one of them was even being a stripper at a truck stop. Yeah. Which... Mm-hmm. I watched that and was so moved to tears there. Mm. It was really powerful to, for you to hold space for the voice of, of women and not in a shaming way, but more of a curious and empowering way. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad you saw it that way. I think a lot of people saw it differently and, and they were like very judgmental about us going in as, as white privileged women to this strip club. Um, we did go in though to amplify the voices of the women there and to hear them and to sort of dismantle the stigma that we might have as women against each other, right? And mm. each other's mm-hmm. choices. So the goal was to have a whole series that sort of highlighted some of the most stigmatized choices that women could make from like mm-hmm. being a stripper to being a nun, you know, like, and, and really wanting to ask women questions and to, um, reveal that we're very similar regardless of where we came from, our backgrounds that we have, we're, we're humans, you know, we eat, we breathe, we sleep, we want love. Um, and our stories are different and there's gorgeousness in the difference as well. So that was a really interesting project. And, you know, there was such a naive heart. I was like 28 at that time. And there was just like a wildness, a carefreeness of being in your late 20s that we were able to bring to that project, which I don't think I'd be able to bring now when I'm 36. Um, 
but that was, so that's how you found me? No, actually I found you. No, after I met you, I became obsessed with you. And I never told you this. I'm like, (laughs) woman, I have to know everything. Um, Actually, so the story um, before the show, Alexandra and I were both reminiscing on Burning Man. And we were both like, I want to go to Burning Man. I want to be there. Because every Burning Man, I seem to find myself falling in love. And I was like, now feels a ton, like a good time to fall in love. And, oh. <laughs> um, and it just that the, the magic of that space is so conducive for that. So at the time, um, this was three, four years ago, maybe uh, my partner at the time was obsessed with your work. And would um, he would send me some of your posts and some of your um, so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, you would really love her. She's doing all the stuff that you do. And and like, and she's a witch too. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) So we would read some of your, um, some of your mantras, some of your prayers around the new moon and the full moon. And, um, and he told me that you were doing a practice at Burning Man. He's like, we have to be there. (laughs) like there are two things I want to make it to at Burning Man two workshops and he's like everything else I don't care fuck it and I was like yeah let's do it and we showed up at your at your workshop and we both walk in and then it was we found out it was a women's only experience and so we were like Oh, okay. So we walked out and then I just felt this whole body pool of like stay. And I, you know, I turned to him and I, and I was like, you know what, I'm actually feeling called to stay. And he was so supportive of it. And he's like, okay. He's like, I will be at the camp when you're done. Hmm. Like I won't leave until you get back. Mm -hmm. And so I stayed for your workshop and it was all breath and body movement and sound and connecting with sisters. And we were making the sounds and we were embodying all of our emotions. I was crying. I was raging. I was saying, fuck you. Yeah. All these things are coming up. Uh, You know, all the things that I had been processing at Burning Man, the things that had been triggered for me at Burning Man that had brought up like these conversations and sisterhood Mm. trauma, you know, or injuries to my relationships and stuff. And by the end of it, I felt so raw and soft and my makeup was a mess and my hair was like Mm. burning man wild. And I was just fully surrendered. Mm. And I knew that you were somebody that I wanted to have in my life. Mm. So when I walked back to the camp and my partner was there ready to just, he was literally sitting in his chair by the road and just like, yeah. And he was just welcomed me and I was just a fucking puddle. Right. Oh. And I, and we just talked about how incredible you are. And so you've mm. always been somebody that, you know, I've looked up to him and been so honored to now call you my friend who lives in my backyard. Aww. And wow. magically, you're part of my family here, too. <laughs> I know. Wow. I really just was brought back to that moment at, at Burning Man. And just, you know, I guess I was almost three years ago, maybe three years ago, I think. Um, I didn't go last year. So, yeah, it wasn't the year before. It was the year before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my second year there. And... um 
It makes me happy to hear that with you because I do feel like in these past three years, there's been a lot of expansion around the type of work that I was leading into Mm -hmm. other women that I've seen. And um, it makes me grateful that I had the courage to lead that workshop because I was definitely like at the beginning of my work and kind of translating my work as an artist and a writer into my work as a teacher and a a space holder. Um, And Yeah. And I remember it being very profound in that room, Um, just women seeing each other, holding space for each other, like pulling our masks down, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a magical workshop. Totally forgot about that. I led a lot of work at Burning Man, actually. It kind of gave me the courage as as a teacher and a, a mentor. It gave me the courage to 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 step forth more and more you know the next year my friend Michael Bates and I led a workshop together around Mm. kind of intimacy and there were like 250 people at it and Mm. I also did healing sessions at my camp that year with um a lot of incredible other healers like Chris Keener do you know him he was Mm. doing sessions that are doing breathworks at my camp and it's really it's Burning Man is a funny place like that where I feel like for me, this part of my career, I got to have supported there um, so that I had the confidence to actually do it in the real world, which is mm. a bit more harsh and judgmental at times, you know, but I think having the space to try out the materials at Burning Man um, and to sit with people and to see the impact was really helpful for me. So um, it's good to be in that gratitude right now. I'm like, wow, I needed that. And what a fucking journey the last three years been for me or four years. Amen. Me too. It's, you know, I even think about the person that I was three years ago and it's very yeah. different than who I am very now. Different. Yeah. I think at that time I was still recovering from being a type A personality. You know, I guess I still am recovering from it because I <laughs> default to it. And I'm like, oh my God, here I go again, you know, I'm trying to overproduce, but you know, yeah. soften, slow, surrender. Yeah. And yeah. So the medicine that you have for women is so potent in the words that you provide and mm. these um, somatic type of experiences for people. And there's what I've noticed is this, uh, there's this trend, this movement of referencing women as goddesses Mm. and your book title refers to fuck like a goddess. Mm -hmm. And so I would be really curious about how, what does being a goddess mean for you? Like, how do you define it? Mm. It's such a trendy word. Yeah. So I kind of like bristle a bit at like calling women goddesses. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's not really my vibe to be like, hey, goddess, what's up? Um, <laughs> but I feel like the term, the fuck like a goddess kind of takes that um, kind of more woo-woo sisterhood potential vibe of goddess and kind of flips it with the word fuck. So that you, it's like the, the juxtaposition that's interesting to me. Um, of those two words together in a sentence because it almost jumbles the brain, right? Like, how could a goddess fuck? What does that even mean? So, like, there's kind of an inherent um, deprogramming or unlearning in those words together, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because if we have been conditioned from 
either a Judeo-Christian kind of mindset, God or goddess inherently doesn't hold fuck energy, right? So to actually say, actually, God, goddess is fuck energy. And that is the energy of creativity and creation. That's why I put those words together so that it actually moves the conditioning inside of us that might think that divinity doesn't include the energy of fuck divinity and God goddess, not, um, not having that fuck, right. That like, and the word fuck I love so much. And I talk about the etymology of the word in my book and, to me, there's like this like very powerful union with there's like this coming into union with and there's like this almost like smashing energy like, fuck, mm. you know, and so to fuck like a goddess is to kind of like um, to to make love to all of creation as creation, you know, it's like to to let everything in life fuck you open um to to embody divinity which is nature which is the present moment and to to be fucked open from there and to be making love to the present moment through Mm. your breath through your eyes through your sounds through your words through your poetry um and it's very visceral fuck is embodied fuck is in the body and it's in the present moment right Mm -hmm. it's not a heady thing to fuck so you know I love using all of that play like there's those all those layers kind of inherent there um kind of like being tongue-in-cheek and being kind of like you know um winking at the audience at the the reader um and not saying like hey girl you're a goddess which I don't mind that it's just not how I would necessarily Mm -hmm. like it's not in my sort of um lingo yeah in my voice and in my texture of medicine you Mm -hmm. know and even the way that you speak now and you read it throughout your book which is brilliant I love your book so much um yeah so definitely recommending everybody clink fully click the link below and get yourself your copy (laughs) but um the way that you hold every woman is and teach people teach women um well actually any person any identifying person but to teach them that we're all seeking the same thing and that it's okay to just be us to mm. feel what we feel to be your authentic self and you are worthy of love i see that laced throughout your whole book i see that laced in the work that you do because the way you show up even in social media is like okay this morning i woke up and i cried for 5 hours <laughs> you know <laughs> like right now i'm a mess and i don't know i just don't know i humbly admit I don't know and it's seeing work like that is allowing people to not feel like they have to be perfectly packaged to be an evolved person and even to do the work you know just because you're a puddle on the floor like last week I lost my shit and I came back and told this person you know fuck I lost my shit but I love that part of me because that part of me fucks really well Mm. (laughs) it's also really passionate and makes this beautiful art Mm. and so for you you're this beautiful um or this just fucking badass um permission slip for everyone Mm. 
I love that, you know, and I think that's the role of really like an artist. And I come from the background of being a storyteller and an actor. Mm-hmm. And um, I think art gives us permission, right, to be who we want to be, whether it's a painting or a movie or a song. We're like accepted and we find a place of belonging in a song mm. or a character or a movie. And we're like, oh, my God, thank God I'm not alone. So my hope is always that my work does that for people um, and that my presence does that. It's like, yeah, I'm here and I'm hurting and I'm still showing up. And, you know, I feel like it's time to pull the masks down in general, not just as women, but in general in society. And it means that it's uncomfortable and it means being seen without our masks, which is like, what does that even mean? You know, and that's like, the difference of showing up and being like, okay, everything's great. I'm just going to keep going or saying actually things aren't great. I'm in pain and I don't know what to say. That in itself is a permission for others to feel. And feeling is the first, in my opinion, step towards change and towards Mm -hmm. transformation. If we want to transform something in our lives or in the world, we have to feel first. So we first feel like what's off and what hurts. And then that leads us to, a step towards change, which I talk about in my book. And I, I kind of outline a process that I do with clients where it always starts with feeling the thing and then letting it move through you. So I think, you know, as a global culture right now, especially in the Western world of the U.S., to be more specific, we're starting to feel, right? And we're starting to feel what we haven't felt for perhaps um, – hundreds of years Mm -hmm. because if we were actually feeling it we probably wouldn't be able to live with ourselves or continue our business as usual Mm -hmm. so there's a process of everyone saying okay let's stop let's take the masks off let's feel and let's acknowledge and honor and then from there we can make a change you know so I look at that in the microcosm of my own life, in my own physical body, in my business, in my relationships. It's the same thing. It's like if I can't show up authentic and unmasked, then who am I showing up as? Like who I wish I was, you know? that's probably not going to work. It's not the truth. (laughs) And you're not creating exactly what you want. Because for me personally, I want to show up in a relationship or in a career where I can just, where I don't have to expend this extra energy to be something that I'm not. Yeah. And what we are changes moment to moment. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Especially as women. So honoring that and making space for that within your schedule, business, all of it, I think is so important. Um, Otherwise we kind of box ourselves in and then Mm -hmm. we don't really grow because we're then we're like sort of signed up for this identity that we created three years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's actually Joe Dispenza. Like, I don't know his work really well, but I heard something he said that I really liked where it was like, if you get up every day and you kind of like say, look at your Instagram, you are reaffirming who you were yesterday. And you're like, okay, there it is. My identity. Cool. I know who I am. I know who I'm supposed to be. Cool. Awesome. But if you don't have a certain identity, you have to reaffirm every day, then it's like a completely clean slate. It's like everything is possible. And I really like, it was on Aubrey Marcus podcast, actually, and the two of them were talking about it because Aubrey was saying something like, oh, I 
I go look at my Instagram and I like feel, okay, I, I know who I am and I know what I'm supposed to be doing in the world and I have a purpose. Mm. But he's like, yeah, but then I'm just continuing to stay who I was and what if there's something else, you know? So I've been thinking about that in, our, in my own way, but especially as if you are in a female body and if you're a bleeding person, then hormones are so shifting that like, even if we wanted to try to stay the same every day, like it's actually biologically impossible and hormonally impossible because <laughs> <laughs> who I am when I'm ovulating is so different than when I'm like bleeding, you know? So mm, yes. honoring that is like really been an important part of my journey as like, again, like a symbol of something bigger. Yes, yes. And for any listeners right now, um, there's an episode with Nicole Hardine where we talk about the cycles and how your your brain changes, how your body changes, how your emotions change throughout your cycle. So check that out because that was really enlightening to me. So recording my daily um, cycle is really important to me. And it helps me to stay connected with myself and see the changes. I'm bleeding right now. And Mm -hmm. I woke up this morning like, oh my God, this is going to be, I'm actually feeling great now. But Mm. I think it's because I just slowed down and just let whatever was happening, this happened, happen. And um, that brings me to this concept of um, morning practices, which Mm -hmm. has been a total game changer for me when I started becoming consistent with it. Right. Because mm-hmm. beforehand I was like, yeah, I have a morning practice, but basically morning practice would be me making coffee, like reading one thing and then like hopping on my emails and shit. That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do for your morning practice and how have you seen that change you? Yeah. Well, the thing that I want to tell everybody, like, I feel like practice, even though that's the word that I use For me, it's like, what would I want to do in the morning to, like, make space for the woman I want to be today? Mm. So when I look at it through kind of like a logical, like, uh, right brain, right brain, right brain or left brain, the masculine side. It's the masculine side is the left brain, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I look at it through the left brain, like analytical, logical, um, it doesn't so much fit well with my wild feminine spirit. So if I'm like morning practice, must do this, 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 my feminine spirit's like, eh, not, no. But when I look at it through the lens of my right brain and my creative side, I'm like, what sort of like conjuring do I need today? Like, who do I want to be today? And I might look at my schedule and go, Mm, I've got a lot of meetings today on the phone and Skype. So this morning I should probably like, you know, do a cardio workout, just like get my metabolism up for 15 minutes, do like maybe um, some breath work or make a list of what I need to accomplish. Okay, cool. That's going to support me to be who I need to be today. Cool. Um Or like, oh, who do I want to be today? Oh, well, man, I really want to be, I really want to be in my like poetic Alexandra today. Mm -hmm. I really want to be like just soft today. I need that. I've had a few, you know, so then I'll adjust my practice to be, to cultivate that. And I always tell people, it's like, what are you cultivating? You know, Mm -hmm. like 
for my 20s, I needed strong discipline. I am myself was more like airy-fairy, like watery. So I needed strong discipline. And I would meditate every morning, seated meditation. I would write my morning pages. And I literally did that from like age 19 to probably like 27. And then at a certain point, I'm like, cool, I I'm, I need to cultivate something else, mm-hmm. right? I don't need to cultivate stillness. And I don't need to learn how to write. I've been, I'm good. That's almost a decade, right? So I learned that I needed to cultivate my relationship to softness, to pleasure, to feeling, to letting go, to surrendering. So over the last five years, um, because like age 28 to about 31, I kind of stayed with that stillness meditation. I was just, you know, kind of still kind of living more in my masculine um and by masculine you could also say I was living more in structure versus flow you know like my Mm -hmm. life was very structured but at 31 I started a commitment to the opposite and I thought okay I've spent enough years meditating cultivating stillness practicing yoga um I'm going to now cultivate something else I'm going to cultivate this relationship to my heart to letting go to surrender uh to softness and it's been a five years of deep practice around that. Um, and the work of David Data has been really essential to these five years. Um, learning from different teachers who have trained with him. I've never trained with him in person, but I've read his books religiously for mm-hmm. since I was 21, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've trained with teachers that are were trained by him for 10 years. And... Um, and I really learned, oh, my God, like, what, is, what does it mean to be in my open-hearted feelings and in my feminine heart? Um, and it's been a real deep ongoing cultivation from, like, he has a concept, which I think is really beautiful, that divides love into stages. And there's the first stage where you're, like, kind of... Um, in like 1950s housewife like it's kind of like the 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 unevolved you know like the wounds are present but no one's talking about them and Mm -hmm. um a lot of triggers there without um any kind of ways to heal and then the second stage would be a stage where you do talk about everything and it's kind of like I'm doing me, I'm taking care of myself, we're processing our emotions, we're talking about our feelings. Um, And then the third stage would be you make art out of it. And so I've been learning in the past five years, this kind of process of moving through my wounding. Mm. And I think, and then and then learning it and having to bring the awareness to it and to process it and to go, mm-hmm. hmm, I mean, I do need to therapize a little bit. I do mm-hmm. need to process. I do need to talk about it. And then, well, now, now that I've understand my wound enough, I felt my wound enough. Now, how do I make it into art? And, um, that process has just, it's taken, it's felt like it's taken so long and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so tired of still being in this kind of second stage where we talk about spirituality. We talk about this, talk about process, our feelings, process, our emotions. Like I've been like, Oh, I just want to like get to the next part. Um, 
And I feel like my book is really about me kind of moving from, from first stage to second stage where it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, how do I become first aware of my wounds and my Mm -hmm. patterns? And then how do I then process through them enough in therapy and meditation and all the shit to then come into the third stage where I can just, even with my wounds, now I've brought awareness to them. Um, now I've processed through them. I've journaled about them for so many years and now how do I create art out of the moment, knowing that these things exist in me? Um, so that's been a huge part of the last five years of my life. And, um, it's kind of working with like in the book, I work with like some of the core wounds that many of us Western white women have, uh, dealt with around, Mm -hmm. You're not good enough or you're too much. You're only lovable if you're thin and pretty. You should be quiet and not speak up. Be a good girl. Um, Likely you're going to be date raped or assaulted by the time you're a grown woman. And that's just the norm. Don't make Mm -hmm. a big fuss about it. So some of these, these, I think I call like some of the core feminine wounds Mm -hmm. are really what I identify in my book. Um, and then talk about how to make them into art and move through them. So for me in the past five years, my morning practice to bring it back to your question has reflected those shifts. So I've learned how to deeply get into my body, write poetry, sing, dance. Um, and there has been like a total movement away from the sort of or second stage, like I got to get up and process every morning and write my gratitude list and, you know, control my mind. And that to me was a really important phase of my evolution. And I'll, I can always lean on it whenever I need to, you know, mm-hmm. I can write 10 gratitude lists and do tapping and affirmations. Like I have a toolkit that's like, you know, super deep and Now what I want to do is I get up, I lay on the floor, I moan, I breathe, I feel, and I call myself into depth. And I usually know that I'm in depth because I'll get teary and I'll move and I'll feel life really deeply. Like I'm being made love to by my life or my pain. And I don't try Mm -hmm. to get rid of my pain. I just let it just penetrate me and love me. And that practice is my, my morning practice. Um, and then if I need to like go into like a seated meditation for a few days or no, I know I have that stuff in my, in my, uh, you know, my toolkit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that because it's, it's not just doing something that was prescribed by somebody else or that came from somebody else's truth, but it's tuning into your own truth and being like, okay, this is my edge. This is where I need to lean into. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. Which has been softening and letting go and, you know, kind of coming into this stage where my, my deepest desire right now in my life is to be loved and to live as love and to give love. It's not, about ambition anymore but it was like Mm -hmm. probably age 26 to 31 my desire was about my career and I had to sit with that and I had to give it my love and then I go and then you know it's only been right now at the culmination of this book that I'm like oh cool I gave I gave the last let's see 26 to 36 holy shit yeah 
God. <laughs> and sometimes gave, that's the process though. And we I can't gave 10 it. full years to my career. Yeah. I gave 10 full years. I made movies, I made web show, I made documentaries. I have my name featured in tons of press. I got a book deal. Yeah. You know, I was in the New York Times. Like all of that, I gave 10 years to mm. that being of service as my career. And now I could give a rat's ass. <laughs> <laughs> about my career I mean like I want to love I want to live as love mm-hmm. I want to write poetry I want to support other women but like am I waking up thinking about ambition no mm-hmm. anymore yeah people are like do you, what do you want with your book do you want to be a New York Times bestseller I'm like I don't care I want many women who it will help to read it that's it mm-hmm but I could, I really don't care about the other thing. And I used to really fucking care. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be famous. What do you I think have, that was about? Um, I think probably like just wanting validation and love and approval and wanting the dad's love. And I healed a huge wound with my dad like about a year ago. And, and then I was like, oh, you know, like I'm good. I don't mm-hmm. need validation or approval from anyone actually anymore. You know, so, mm. and it's also like this very, you know, Western capitalist success driven thing that we're sure. all kind of pumped. Like we're all pumped with that, um, mm-hmm. with that drug. And I was like, yeah, I can, I can will things to happen. And I did and I have, and then I'm like, oh, okay, actually I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And I can speak for myself, um, you know, tagging on to something that you said earlier, how difficult it can be sometimes for us to feel. And that can, that's a major practice for us because for me, it was, I overworked. I worked all the time on my business or on getting my doctorate or whatever it was to avoid feeling and to avoid depth and intimacy, like my mm. relationships would la- would be super short because, yeah. oh, well, I'm sorry, I'm in, I'm in college, you know, like, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting my doctorate. I don't have space yeah. for you, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And, and, um, and then also the feeling part of it, because once I started feeling being in my body, it was so uncomfortable. So then I would just get on a computer screen, read a bunch of shit, you know, be able to tell everybody about, you know, the vulva, what the vulva does, what the penis does, and, you know, all the sensory receptors and stuff, but I wasn't actually embodied in it. And that even impacted, you know, how I showed up sexually too. Mm. Um, So I, you know, I hear what you're saying with, with their, with your work and everything. And, and um, I also just wrote this blog that I, I um, wrote growth equals awareness plus risk-taking. Beautiful. So for you, what I see is, you know, cultivating the awareness and now you're moving into this risk-taking role, um, putting your book out there, which is a full expression of you. Mm-hmm. And it's expression of a phase of my learning. So I don't even identify it with it being me. It's just mm. a phase of my pers- of my evolution that I'm gifting to others, that I'm sharing with others um, and that I can move away from because I'm done with that phase. Like the things that I've written in the book are a certain phase that I've already graduated past, but there are ideals, principles, and truths that I will live for, live by for the rest of my life that I write in that book that I share that I discovered during this time, you know, 
Um, and that I'm really happy to share with other women. And I think there's like in the last chapter, it's just like surrendering to where you're at and like loving anyway and living anyway. And I think that I hope women take away from this. Like, let's stop trying to fix ourselves all the time. And like, it's great to do the work. It's great to show up. It's great to do all of it. And then just to fucking enjoy and relax and love and dance anyway. Mm. And I do hope that, yeah, women get inspired and to, to, to have fun with their growth process, their healing process, their feminine process, um, and to keep loving and dancing and being seen and being heard anyway, even though we're not fixed, we're not perfect. And like, mm-hmm. there is no perfect. And that's just like, we're exactly who we need to be, even as though it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that I feel like that's the key to your sexual liberation too. Mm-hmm. Exactly yeah. what you're saying right there. Mm-hmm. How have you seen that, just that concept um, evolve somebody's sexuality? Yeah. Sexual expression. Well, I think that's something I talk about in my book, too, is just, like, kind of unwinding the shame. And I think that as women, we have so much shame around allowing our desires. And so in accepting yourself as you are and accepting your desires, like, it's so liberating to just love and accept yourself as you are with the desires you have. And to go, well, I don't know why I have this desire And it's not socially acceptable, but I'm going to hold it still and I'm not going to judge it and I'm not going to shame myself for it. And that's the same with all parts of my life. So it's not just about my sexuality, though, for us in the Western world, in the U.S. specifically, our sexuality and our desires as women are shrouded in shame. Um, We're not allowed to really sit at a dinner and go, wow, I really have this really gorgeous um, gangbang ritual fantasy. And it's like this conscious, gorgeous gangbang. And like, you know, we're not allowed to say that. And, And even if it's not, I want that desire to be actualized, but like, I want, say that's just like, I have this fantasy, right? We're not allowed as women to talk about those things at dinners, you know, and on the on the whole, right? On the on the whole, like even um, at like Burning Man or something. Sure, that's not. No one's gonna like throw a tomato at your head for saying that, but it's still actually not necessarily a safe thing to say because talking about sex around other people without being in a safe space could actually be threatening to them. So what happens is when you do open up that can, that kind of can of worms with other people, you're then opening the can of worms of their traumas, which potentially are undealt with. So you discussing your desires in front of other women who have shame or trauma around their sexuality becomes an unsafe space for them. So I talk about this in my book as well. So it's like, we have a long way to go there. So having a safe space, right? Like where as women, specifically I'm talking about women as my audience right now, where we can actually say these things and feel safe is so healing, right? To be like, I could be at a, at a dinner and I could ask the women there like, hey, can I share with you guys this fantasy that I have that I've felt really ashamed about, but that I 
I'm actually accepting now as a fantasy. Um, and the other women then going, yeah, yeah. Like this is safe. Like, like, because they're sovereign in their own experience and they've done the work on themselves to not be triggered. Right. Mm-hmm. And to not freak out because I have a gangbang fantasy. <laughs> this is all sort of metaphorically speaking in a way, <laughs> but that's what happens to us as women. Right. And some of this is totally unspoken. And my self-expression might trigger other women's pain because they have trauma and pain they've not dealt with yet, right? Um, so it's a dance that we have to take responsibility for the way that our presence and words and, and impact others around us. Um, and yet also we can do that work privately, right? And with a coach or a healer um, or a therapist, and we can say like, I need to accept my sexual self as is and I need a safe space to honor her and to say these are my desires this is this is who I am and I don't need to be ashamed about it Mm -hmm. and I think a key point of what you're sharing there is there's this invitation of asking the other women are you open to receiving this part of me yeah because sometimes where I can see Um, People will divulge something and just kind of word vomit and the other person doesn't know how to handle it. It, It's activating them. They didn't actually want to hold it. (laughs) And so there's so much power in creating a container by asking and inviting. Yeah, exactly. And I did not like that. I do talk about that in my book. I think when I was younger, I used to do that often and sort of as an intentional way to stir up trouble. <laughs> Unconsciously, you, no maybe. way. <laughs> Where, yeah, like, no. just like sharing some sort of a story in front of women that I knew where it's going to hurt, trigger them. Um, I don't do that stuff anymore. But when I was younger, I definitely would test the waters. Like, are these people going to love and accept me as I am with this thing or this fantasy? Mm. Which, like you said, is not fair to other people around us because we don't know where they're at in terms of receiving us. But having a partner or a coach or therapist or a friend who can receive you is so healing so healing Mm -hmm. like I have friends I'm like a real safe space for a lot of my friends and clients and stuff so people tell me stuff they're like oh my god I just you know me too. Coming out Everywhere. is clear. I'm, I'm sleeping with my, you know, neighbor. I'm this, I'm that. Like, I just, you know, I just tried this for the first time and I'm, mm-hmm. I am able to receive them, you know, and I, I, mm-hmm. I suppose like there's something for some of us that are, are leaders or speakers that we're supposed to be a little ahead of the curve in a way, the curve being the status quo that like, if we weren't, we wouldn't be a leader. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can't really expect everyone to be where we are otherwise we wouldn't have a voice because we wouldn't we wouldn't be needed yeah so like there's something magical to going okay like just because I'm accepting myself as is doesn't mean other people around me are how can I create the invitation for them maybe it's an online program I create maybe it's an article I write you know so that I can the invitation can be there say hey ladies join me over here where I'm in full acceptance of myself you know even though I'm weird and freaky or whatever to the dark that's actually light side (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and what a what a um powerful way to do that without making anybody wrong yeah I think we're in a right now we're experiencing so much uh voice in our social climate that you know we're faced with this 
how can how can we meet how how can we be open vessels and meet the other people everyone in their experience without making them wrong and just listening mhm yeah I wonder this, there's so much gold in everything that we've talked about today. It's mm. such a pleasure. I wonder if there's anything that you would like to leave our audience with, um, just like a little nugget of chocolate to place on their tongue as they mm. leave. If you can bring breath to every moment, sexually and in intimacy and with yourself and your practice, you can turn it from mediocre into like drugs, oh. okay? And I'm talking like good drugs. So like like, like MDMA from God, okay? <laughs> so if you are masturbating, if you are kissing your partner, if you are making dinner, if you're dancing, and if you can bring deep, deep, relaxed belly breath, even with a little uh, mm, on the exhale to whatever that moment is, it can elevate so quickly because it's deeply embodied. It's out Mm. of your head. So if you could just start practicing that and it has to be deep belly, it has to be full, like Mm -hmm. front of your body softens just notice and it might mean there's feelings there it might make you kind of sad because you start opening and softening and stuff starts coming through but just commit to that whether you're making love to your partner whether you're getting dressed whether you're Mm -hmm. masturbating whether you are um you know making a cup of tea could it be from that place where you're breathing into it and just giving it your all and then seeing, you know, the, the, the ripple of that just like open, soft, embodied, open hearted moment and how that changes your reality. <sighs> <laughs> <It's> juicy. <sighs> yeah. Now, how can, how can everyone find more about you and continue this taste test beyond the podcast? Mm. <laughs> um, so you can find me on my website, alexandraroxo.com, R-O-X-O. Um, I'm also on Instagram at alexandraroxo, R-O-X-O. And yeah, those are the best places to find me, my my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, is out July 21st, which sounds true. I will be offering some online gatherings, practices, book bonuses, and all of that. Mm. Um, and I would love to have you guys and to have you experience the book because it has a lot of exercises, practices, rituals, and just ways to play in this energy together. Yeah. So super yeah. juicy. Yes. Yeah. Highly Thank recommend you so it. Much. Mm. yeah thank you so much such a pleasure having you Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And lovers, thank you again for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, please head to eatplaysex.com and subscribe. Connect with us and grab your sexy guides because our goal here is to help you to eat, play, and sex better so you can improve your sex life, which obviously will improve every aspect of your juicy life. (laughs) I'll see you next time on Eat, Play, Sex. Thanks for tuning in, lovers. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can find out more about our guests and topics from our show by checking out eatplaysex.com. Until next time, don't forget to nourish your sex life.